Hello and welcome. I'm Heidi Albertieri from the Lifestyle Edit. Thank you for joining us for another Rosé Friday where we take the afternoon off to have creative conversations over a cheeky glass of rosé. So go grab your rosé while I introduce you to today's wonderful guest. Hello everyone, welcome. It's Heidi from the Lifestyle Edit. Friday afternoon at four o'clock. Thank you for joining us, whether you're listening via Spotify on our podcast or if you're tuning in live via Instagram for Rosé Friday. We're so excited to be here today. It's been a long week um, and today we have a very special guest. Grab your rosé. I want you to strap yourself in for today's guest. We've got Annika Molesworth with us today. Now, Annika is a farmer um, from Broken Hill in New South Wales. She is one of the most amazing people um, I've come across in a very long time. And we come across a lot of people and I love everybody. But um, I am so excited to have Annika with us today. She is a farmer and she's an advocate for sustainable farming, um, environmental conservation. She's a thought leader who's recognised across the industry. She's been She's known worldwide for speaking up about this um, so she's done a few TED Talks. She's had a lot of media coverage. I'm going to get her in while everybody grabs their rosé um, because I think this is a conversation that we're going to have today with Annika. Um, let her, let's get her in now. Everyone's joining us. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Hello. Hello. So nice How to be you? with you this evening. <laughs> I'm good. Oh, How are you? So, I'm good. I'm so excited to meet you. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, likewise. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. So are you in Broken Hill at the moment? Are you at the farm? Yeah, I'm on my family farm in far western New South Wales on the beautiful red sand lands of Willakali country. Amazing. I was looking at your videos today of the farm. It looks extraordinary and that amount of land is quite unfathomable for us city folk. Um, I guess we don't get to see that so often. So it must be amazing. Um, I'm, I'm so, there's so much I want to unwrap with you because you have the most extraordinary story and what you're doing is quite amazing. And I want to share that with everybody today. But give us a little bit of background about um, you and how you became a farmer and, you know, your journey so far because you're, you're advocating for a lot of change. Um, so let's, like, let everyone know how you got here and what your journey was. Sure. So uh, my family purchased our farm in far western New South Wales when I was 12 years old. And I came from Melbourne, city life. And <laughs> when I came out here, I was just amazed. Like my jaw hit the floor when I saw the endless horizons, you know, kangaroos jumping across the landscape. Um, you know, every day I'd walk out into the paddock and it's, you know, 360 degree views of sunsets, sunrises, galahs, you know, emus. It was a place that I just like fell head and head over heels in love with. Yeah. And when, and when we purchased the farm, it was the start of a 10 year long drought, the millennium drought. And so over the next few years, I, you know, witnessed the land dry out, the dams evaporate. We were selling more and more of our livestock because the land just couldn't carry them anymore. And that's when I really started to connect the dots in like 
how connected people are with the natural environment. And when the natural environment is not in good health, then you can't have a productive farming business. You can't have a, a vibrant rural community. And so I saw how, you know, a hurting environment hurts, you know, social well-being, livelihoods and all of that. Yeah. And that's when I started to realize, you know, what climate change actually meant and researching that. And obviously, the more I learned about climate change, the, uh, the more important I realized it was to speak up about it. <laughs> yeah, amazing. And, you know, obviously, there's in the media at the moment, there's a lot going on about climate change because of the convention. So we'll, we'll get to that a bit later. But so day to day, what's the impact that real climate change is having on the farmers? How is it impacting them in their day to day yeah. journey? Yeah, and it impacts farmers in a whole variety of ways because climate change is not just hotter temperatures, it's changes in rainfall patterns. You know, it's the seasons actually breaking down and doing something different than they have always been. It's a greater frequency and intensity of extreme weather events like droughts, floods, bushfires. Um, it's changes in pests and diseases that we see in our crops or on our livestock. And obviously here in Australia, we have such a, a diverse climate and environment. So farmers in tropical North Queensland growing bananas will experience something a bit different from myself in the arid zone in central Australia or in the southern, you know, alpine cooler regions. And that means that, you know, each of us on the farm and within the farming community needs to find ways to adapt to these changing conditions um, whether it's sort of managing our soils better or, or our vegetation and biodiversity. But the question is, how do we continue to produce good food and enough food as the climate gets worse? And that's why we have to make such an effort to stop the climate getting worse. <laughs> yeah, and because if you guys aren't functioning at your best capacity, there's an absolute flow-on effect for everybody, right? Absolutely, because climate change impacts every meal on every plate. So what we experience out here on the farm, um, if the rain's not falling and we can't actually grow food, that's going to have a very real consequence on people in the city who are going to try and be purchasing that food. So it does yeah. influence um, food availability, the price of food, and also the nutrient content of food is being changed because of climate change. Yeah. So what's the solution then for farmers? Like how do you guys adapt and what do you do? Yeah. So Australian farmers, I mean, they're doing such a, a phenomenal job and that's why I just love being involved in this community because they are such, you know, hardworking, honest, forward looking people who every day there's another challenge, whether it is, you know, the cattle have escaped or, you know, there's a, <laughs> the tractor has got bogged. You know, they're people who get up and face challenges every day and they, they figure out how to solve it. They don't sit around yeah. and wait for someone else to do something. Yeah. But in terms of climate change, there's things we can do on the farm, of course. So whether that is managing our soils differently to make sure that we've got enough um, moisture in the soils and carbon in the soil so they're, they're fertile and healthy and can produce this food whether it's adopting renewable energies like solar or wind, which obviously reduces our business costs as well yeah. as you know, running our businesses off clean energy. 
But the thing to remember is that climate change, you know, the rate and the scale of it is beyond farm level. And that's yes. why the farmers are sort of speaking up more and more loudly these days and saying, hey, we can't actually keep up with the changes occurring in the environment. And we need to do something at national and global levels to get on top of this problem. Yeah, because if you're making the change and you're not getting any support, like you're making all the changes and taking the sacrifices for the greater good of, you know, the planet, we need to be supporting you guys somehow as well. And the government needs to be sorting out support for you guys. So it's something that obviously is on my mind a lot. You know, we've, we've been seeing a lot of what's going on and, and the changes. I've got so many questions for you. I don't want to miss out on anything, but what do we do about it? Like, what do we do about it as individuals? We're not farmers. We just go to the organic market or the, you know, the supermarket and we buy our beautiful blueberries and meats and, you know, we have fabulous dinners and all that type of stuff. What do we do to help you guys? Yeah, well, every time you open the fridge door or you sit down at the kitchen table, you're interacting with the food system. And mm. that food system, your interaction, you know, has a flow and effect back down to the farmer. So what you do with your plate actually impacts what's happening in the paddock. And yeah. so if we choose, um, you know, local foods, uh, nutrient-dense foods, um, seasonal foods, they have lower carbon footprints. So by choosing them instead of foods that have been flown in from the other side of the world and are wrapped in plastic, you know, they're not healthy for people and they're not healthy for the planet. Yes. Also, when we purchase foods, you know, what kind of money are we actually spending on this food? Are we actually fairly compensating the farmer and supporting good farming practices? Because the mm. farmer needs the proper financial resources to adapt to a changing climate. For instance, if there yeah. is a drought, the farmer would need to, you know, sell their livestock or destock so they can rest the land. But if the farmer is, you know, very financially strained because they only get, you know, a few cents per whatever they're selling, then they don't have the luxury to do that. So we absolutely yeah. need to build the capacity in the farming community so they can make those changes. And yeah. I think one of the most uh, easiest things that we can do as consumers is actually reduce food waste. Because mm. here in Australia, I think like one in four supermarket bags is thrown out. And if food waste was a country, it would be the third largest emitter. So even oh. the seemingly simple and easy act of finishing our meal and not like throwing half of it into the bin, that has a real positive impact on solving this problem. Yeah, amazing. If anyone has any questions, please drop them into the comments below because um, there's so much to take in um, and hopefully we can answer the questions for you. Um, so much, I'm so excited. When you're not saving the planet one day at a time, <laughs> what does farming life look like to you? You're a chick, you're on a mission. Like, are you out on the farm doing the dirty work as well? Yeah, yeah. So I live on my family's farm here um, with my parents and my husband and it's a, the most beautiful landscape. And yeah, I go out and I clean the troughs and help fix the fences and do the sheep work when we've got the sheep around. So there's always something to be done. But mm. I do really fill my days with trying to do what I can to tackle climate change. 
you know, talk about it, help educate people, um, engage them what, with what's happening in the food and farming sector and help motivate them to do something else because we all have to do our part. Yeah. And climate change is not something that we can wait any longer to deal with. It's not something to think, okay, the next generation will deal with it. Someone on the other side of the planet, they'll bear the brunt of it. They'll deal with it. No, it's, yeah. it's our responsibility and it's our responsibility right now to do something. Mm. And the longer we wait to tackle climate change, the more difficult and more costly it actually becomes. Yeah. Um, you're right, so right. Um, you've travelled the world speaking and meeting people and you've obviously met some extraordinary people. What's one person that's made an impact on you and, and who was it and why? What, what did they do? It's actually the, um, the farmers that I meet that really just, you know, you touch my heart and make me think, God, wow, like I, I appreciate what you are doing so much. Um, and many of these farmers that I have, you know, had the privilege of working alongside of, they're working in developing countries. So I've done a lot of research in Southeast Asia, in Laos and Cambodia, working alongside very small subsistence farmers. And even though a lot of the times we share no common language, when we're walking out in the fields and they're pointing out, you know, what's happening in their crops and you see the excitement of, you know, the grains, you know, developing or you feel their pain when they sort of show that the insects have descended and eaten their crop. I really go, wow, like you're getting up every day to try and feed people in your community. Like what yeah. a noble job that you have. And climate change is making that more and more difficult. And we have to do what we can to help because this ultimately affects all of us who eat food. So yeah, yeah it is the farmers who I, I just, I love working alongside. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I lived in um, Indonesia quite some time and I lived on a rice paddy and, you know, every morning when the, you know, this call to prayer would go, the farmers who were, you know, 150 years old, would be out in the um, farm, you know, like up and down with the rice. Yeah. And, you know, one grain of rice, they would be there all day in this heat and it was sweltering and they would work so hard. And I would just be like in awe of the work that they had to produce to create like a grain of rice. And, you know, Indonesia is they live off rice so it's a very important thing and um it was just extraordinary to see the work that goes into it so yeah i'm amazing it's amazing what what goes into it isn't it for the return really even yeah all that time that energy the resources like the nutrients the water the finances there is so much that goes into producing that food that ends up on your plate and i really mm. hope that or when they look at that plate of food before them, like feel like, you know, a sense of celebration. Like this is worthy of celebration. This is a substance that fills me with good nutrients and lets me have a, a healthy life. That is something I should respect. Um, and I should do whatever I can to live lightly on this planet so we can continue to grow this nutritious, beautiful food long into the future. Yeah. That's good advice. We have a little thing in our family um, where we just do a little silent thing where we say blessings for our food. So I, oh, I love lovely. that. It's I love just, it. 
Yeah, blessings for our food. Um, speaking up about issues that are controversial, that bring awareness to them, involves really, like, great courage, really. Um, I was reading this morning, it's, I think her name is Sai Sarif. Um, she's an activist for the Amazon um, Indigenous community. And she was speaking at the summit and she was saying how daunting it was that she's standing up there, she's got a little headpiece on, you know, because she's from the Amazon, she's this tiny little thing, speaking to a bunch of white middle-aged men about climate change and the impact that it's having. And she's been getting death threats She's, um, she was saying that she's so scared because of the amount of death threats she's been getting, which I just find astonishing. How hard is it to speak up on such an issue that, you know, is controversial sometimes, you know, especially with the point of view from different communities? Um, mm. And, like, what, what advice do you have to other people who are, are passionate about a cause and they're wanting to speak up but it goes against the grain and you know they've got to find some courage yeah well definitely here in australia like i i always encourage people to stand up and speak up about issues that they think are important that there is injustice and that we should change but i i don't say that um you know, without thinking that there is a, a huge variation in personal risk around the world. And if you are in a place or a country where that personal risk is actually very real, um, that, you know, you could actually face, you know, very real uh, abuse or death threats like that, then you know, that that's a whole nother league. And those people do actually have to really consider um, the value and the importance of standing up and personal yeah. safety. Yes, Here in Australia, we are incredibly lucky. Like, we do have a stable political system. We do encourage people to voice their concerns, to challenge the status quo, to constantly apply pressure to our government to do something different and do something better. And we shouldn't take that privilege for granted. Because we mm. can do that in Australia, we should absolutely do that here. And we yeah. should sort of speak to our policymakers and say, what we are doing at the moment is not good enough. It's not in line with the science. We can absolutely do better and we should do better because there are people and there are places that struggle to keep up with climate change and they're being impacted very badly and they don't have the adaptive capacity. Here in Australia, we do. We can absolutely pull our weight and we can do even more. We can raise that ambition bar and help other nations and other very vulnerable people to, you know, overcome this global issue. Yeah, I love how passionate you get when you talk about it. <laughs> Amazing. So <laughs> governments and things and, you know, because it's very controversial, but what the government is doing right now, well, what can they do to make a difference? Obviously, we're in the present and we know that there needs to be change. There's a short-term plan and a long-term plan. What do they need to be doing? What are they doing and what do they need to be doing? Are they measuring up? Yeah, so at the moment, I mean, recently in Australia last week, yeah, only last week, they've announced a, a net zero target by 2050. Um, great that we've got a net zero target. It would have been great if we had that, you know, a decade plus ago. <laughs> Yeah. Um, we finally got there in the end, but unfortunately they've pushed it out to 2050 in 30 years time and that's not good enough. Like 
for us yeah. to actually meet international obligations of keeping global temperatures to 1.5 degrees or below, uh, we can't wait to 2050 to deal with this problem. We need yeah. to be addressing this decade, you know, by 2030 and our 2030 policy, uh, that the short term strategy or goal uh, is woefully inadequate. It's not where the science is saying it needs to be. So mm. globally, the scientists are saying we need to be at 50% emissions reduction by 2030, based on 2005 levels. Uh, our government is saying we're, we'll aim for 26%, so almost half of what the, the world scientists say is actually required. But it then also needs to be remembered that some some countries actually find it very difficult to do this. You know, developing nations will find it very difficult to transition that quickly. But because yeah. we're here in Australia, we're so lucky, we're so fortunate, we should not only do 20, uh, you know, 50% reduction by 2030, we should do even more. Like, we should actually help this global cause. And we, we can do that. And that's where it gets really exciting because we are the sunniest, one of the windiest continents on earth, we could yes. absolutely be powering our homes, our businesses, our kids' schools with clean, renewable energy. And yes. even our chief scientist has said that Australia could be a renewable energy superpower exporting sunlight and clean energy around the world. That obviously has huge economic benefits, you know, injecting yeah. wealth and skilled jobs. So it's a no-brainer. So we absolutely have to move away from those harmful fossil fuels, coal, oil and gas, and really embrace and celebrate those clean, renewable energies. Amazing. Someone's just made a comment. I have huge thanks to Enika for giving me the courage to speak out and act whenever I feel like crawling back into my shell because I'm scared or as if I can make a difference. I think of Annika. Thanks, Lerner. How Thank you so much. That's it's beautiful. Likewise, I constantly feel energized and inspired by people who are who are just doing their bit. And it might feel, you know, small and like you're not making a difference as an individual. Mm -hmm. But if we all just do our little bit, then that yeah. has like huge ripple effects. And those ripples turn into tidal waves of positive change. And that's what we need. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Talking about clean energy you know, as a future for us, how, how, if the government's not aligning with that, what do you need to do along with the scientists and all the information that we have that proves that this is a really good direction for Australia to move into? How does that change come about? Obviously, you know, we can talk about it, but like that's obviously a really big job to take on to tackle them how does that, how, what's that process like? How do you do that? Yeah, so we need change at all levels, at local yeah. levels, at regional levels, at national, at global. And sometimes we do feel frustrated that, oh my gosh, like we'll never change the policy, we'll never change the businesses. But we as individuals put those policy makers in place. We as individuals created those systems. It's not like this is some, you know, <laughs> scientific fact that those policies and businesses, you know, are there forever. It's yeah. what we choose to do and what we choose to support or not support. So mm -hmm. where we actually put our vote, where we actually invest our money, our purchasing habits, completely design the systems in which we live. 
So we as individuals, when we choose to invest our money with certain institutions, banks, superannuation companies, when we go to the shops and actually purchase clothes, food, a car, you know, where are we investing our money in the future? And mm. if we all were more conscious in what we are consuming, in how we're spending, in how we're wasting resources, then that would actually have, you know, a real flow on effect on how these systems work, who is in power, who's making the decisions and what those policies and strategies look like. Yeah, it's so true because, you know, obviously most of the time we're on autopilot and we're getting this and we're buying that and we're doing this and I need that and I need this. And there's all this consumer, you know, consumerism going on. It's like we need to just kind of do a hard reset with ourselves and go, okay, what do I need? And who are the brands, you know, that we, you know, will support, you know, moving forward? I know my husband um, is huge into, you know, um, animal rights and taking care of animals and, you know, all the testing on animals. And now he started as part of his thing is like researching the brands and the businesses that are doing it because not everyone has everything on the label, right? You need to do that next level research and discover yourself. So it's almost like we all need to just take a step back and, and do all those things that you said, you know, where's my car coming from, who, you know, all those things and start asking a few more questions rather than being on autopilot. Absolutely. I think that's so true. We need to just, you know, pause and reflect of how we as individuals are interacting with everything around us. And is yeah. this the best way that I can interact? Is this the best thing I can do? Is this the best thing I can purchase with my money? And yeah. I think when we ask those questions, we often realize, oh, no, there's actually a substitute, which is a bit better. And if I just, you know, change that behavior, just tweak what I'm doing. And it's yeah. that small sort of generally like simple tweaks. And then yeah. you realize, okay, well, I would just keep on tweaking. And my goodness, like, <laughs> I'm yeah. really helping with, with this course. Yeah. I think sometimes we feel like we're going to miss out or there's, you know, that we, you know, we really need that thing. But it actually starts with a little bit of compromise as well. And going, it's okay, I can wait till I find something better. Yeah, I think a lot of the time too, especially in Australia, the the climate conversation has been uh, spoken about in a way of it's going to be sacrifices. Like you're going to sacrifice this and that if we tackle climate yeah. change. And I don't think that's true. And I don't think it's helpful at all because <laughs> for instance, I have solar panels on my roof. That means we pretty much have like a quarter of our electricity bill that we spend now than we used to. That's a benefit. Uh, <laughs> I purchased an electric car and, you know, the media in Australia said that this will ruin your weekend. It definitely has not ruined my weekend. I charge it on sunlight. I have no emissions. I have no fuel costs. I have no maintenance costs anymore. I'm like, okay, well, that was a win. Um, <laughs> by, by growing a vegetable garden, I have an abundance of fresh, fresh vegetables at my doorstep, you know, nutrients, organic, you know, I, I love it. So that wasn't yeah. a loss. So why do we keep on talking about, you know, positive actions on climate change as, as sacrifices and loss? They're not. And I think yeah. more of us need to actually speak up and say, hey, the electric car is really good. Hey, the solar panels are great. Um, you know, 
this has created new jobs in my community and that that's a win for you know the resilience and long-term viability of my community so yeah. we actually really need to be promoting the positive stories and encouraging more people to be like looking at the future as a way of going oh that's actually pretty cool that's something i want to get involved with and i'll play my part to get there yeah it's awesome and i think it does start very individually and making those choices um i'm i'm so excited i'm sorry the the summit that's happening in glasgow right now is where there is possibility for a lot of change that could happen hopefully what are your thoughts on what's happening over there right now and what, what, what's the best possible outcome that you could think would come out of it? Well, we definitely, a... need... Yeah, we definitely need um, global collaboration and global leadership to really get on top of this issue. So it's very important that countries are, are talking together and working together to help solve this problem. But at the end of the day, you know, they are going to be words on pieces of paper. And it's up to us as individuals and communities and nations and businesses to actually enact what is written on paper. So we have to work out, well, what does reducing emissions actually mean in my home, in my kid's school, in my workplace? How can we assist achieve this goal? I don't think we can continue like sit back and wait for someone else to do something. Yeah. Uh, we can't keep yeah. on waiting for the perfect leader to come along and solve all these problems. It's actually our turn. Like, we have to be the leaders that we've been waiting for. We have to yeah. step out, out of our comfort zones, have those difficult conversations, have courageous conversations, speak to our managers at work and say, hey, where is our business investing its money? Can we have renewable energies on, you know, on the roof can we be you know turning off all the air conditioners and lights when people go home on the weekends like yeah. we should constantly be asking these questions and you know encouraging people and people within our circle of influence to do more and to do better yeah totally agree you've written a book in your spare time i don't know how you managed to do that because you know i don't know how you save the planet, work at farm and do all the things you do and write a book. Um, that is a major commitment. It's called A Sunburnt Country. How, tell us about the book, what's involved, how, how did you come about writing a book? Yeah, well, I guess I've, I've always loved writing. I love telling the story and rural Australia and the farming sector has such a beautiful and important story to share. So uh, start of 2020, I sat down on the bedroom floor and put out pieces of paper everywhere and sketched out this idea of a story that I thought was missing and a story that I thought I could help tell. And, you know, fast forward a year and a half, the book was released, Our Sunburnt Country, and it talks about how climate change is impacting the food system and the food system from the paddock right through to the plate. And yeah. it also, most importantly, talks about the solutions that are entangled in this food system. Yeah. Too often, climate change is presented as academic and abstract and something to worry about at a later date. And that's absolutely not the case. And farmers yeah. know that because they can look out the kitchen window and see a drought in action. Like, they really know what climate change is. And 
there's humanity, there's people, very real people tangled up and being challenged by a, a climate change right now. Mm. But the exciting thing is that there is an abundance of solutions out there. There is an abundance of things that we can do better and we have to do better. And when yeah. we demand better policies, you know, investment into research, development, helping educate the farmers and, you know, people right along the food system on what solutions yeah. are out there, that's when yeah. we really will see, you know, more solutions being adopted and at a rate that actually catches up with the problem of climate change. Yeah, amazing. So if people want to purchase the book, they can go to your website, right, to purchase that. Is that right? Yes, that that's is right. Anika Molesworth. It's actually on the Lifestyle Edit Instagram. that We've got a link direct to your website at the moment. Oh, beautiful. So go to our stories direct link, purchase it, watch the little YouTube video. It's amazing. I got goosebumps and tears in my eyes when I watched it. It's so, so extraordinary. I'm loving what you're doing. Um, parting words of wisdom that we can take away from this. What can we do? Well, I guess after watching um, this chat, go outside and spend some time with nature and let it rejuvenate you and fill you with energy. Because I think when we, you know, we look around at this beautiful landscape, this incredible place that we're so lucky to call home, we find that sense of why it is important to advocate for it and to look after it. Um, and yeah, and then I hope people will be inspired to help try and solve climate change. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. So I hope everyone's following. Um, and, you know, if they need more information, please go to the website. Um, and you can watch this again if you need to on uh, the Lifestyle Edit Instagram on our um, IGTV channel. Thank you. It's filled with so much information, Anika. It's absolutely a pleasure to have chatted with you. I could speak for hours, to be honest. Um, and if it's been such a great Yeah, it's awesome. You're so passionate about it. And it's actually really great to hear from someone who is working on your side of it to, you know, to understand that level of change that really needs to happen. And, you know, I think the biggest takeaway for me is, and for everybody, I hope, is to stop waiting for everybody else to do it and bring it back home to us and what we can do individually to make a really big difference when it all comes together. So thank you so much for your words of wisdom. It has been a pleasure. And um, have a lovely weekend on the farm. Thank you so much. <laughs> right. Bye, everyone. Thanks Bye. so much.